You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Odds and Audibles podcast. My friend, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show today. It's a Tuesday afternoon. It's a nice fall day here in Eugene, shaping up weather-wise like it's going to be a nice fall weekend in Eugene for Oregon, Washington State. Another 12-30 kick, another game on ABC. And we've Spoken now with uh, Dan Lanning Monday night after his review of the 36-33 loss at Washington. We spoke with Bucky Irving, Brandon Dorless, Patrick Herbert, and Marcus Harper as well Tuesday afternoon following practice, their second practice of the week. And uh, let's start with injuries first and foremost. Um Guys that were here, guys that were not here, if any. Uh, what was the latest from an injury perspective uh, at fall camp, or at fall camp, at practice on Tuesday? Because it's pretty positive. Yeah, I mean, it came out of a heavyweight battle, took some punches. There are players that were, several players needed medical assistance. It doesn't seem like any of those resulted in absent practices today. Um, you think about the guys that left games at points, Terrence Ferguson. He was out there. People have talked a lot about that injury. We won't, I don't think we need to get into it. Jackson Powers Johnson came out for a play, came back in. As you'd expect, he was out there. Same thing with like a Kyrie Jackson. Gary Bryant Jr. was a guy who kind of was knocked out at one point. He was out at practice. So uh, Jaleel Florence, obviously the biggest one. Dan said on Monday, uh, Monday that he had practiced on Monday as well, was out there Tuesday. So I, there's not a whole lot like guys that weren't at practice today. We've got Brian Addison, and this is a place to start. Um, not with the team, personal reasons, according to Dan. That's all we have. Uh, he practiced last week at the game on Saturday. Not much else we can report there, but that is potentially significant. I think that's the most significant piece of information we have coming out of this. Um, and Lipe Malala, who just I'd written down since the first practice of September, we hadn't seen made return to practice. Not that that's too significant, true freshman offensive lineman, but. No, I mean, I think uh, things looked like they could have been a lot worse on Saturday in terms of the number of times medical treatment was was required, or, or at least that the staff needed to come out and check on players. But the exception of BA, and that wasn't an in-game injury, at basically it was there. Yeah, which is, uh, they've been, you know, knock on wood, they've been pretty, pretty good with injuries so far this season. Um you know, the the other guys like Justin Jacobs was out there as he has been the last couple weeks. Um, maybe one day he'll play, maybe not. Uh, but other than that, like injury injury wise, I think it was good. Just the BA wasn't there. But that again, like Eric said, for personal reasons. So not not too much to go off of there. Um, 
Monday night, Dan gave us a quote saying, you know, it was one of the more physical practices that they've had on a Monday. Um, he referenced players' GPSs were showing they were running 5% faster across the board than they have previously. And, you know, you, my first response to that was, oh, it's typical coach speak. Guys, they lost a tough game. Guys are coming back. Here we go. We're hungry. Da, 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 da. Like trying to build some kind of positive momentum. And then that was reflected, though, on Monday with – or on Tuesday with the players that we spoke with. Um, sounds like the players chose to throw the pads on, on on Monday. It sounds like the players were the ones that made the practice intense. Now, we weren't there, so we can't verify it, but we have five different people talking about it. That's notable. Um, and kind of what you want to hear following – a tough loss to an opponent that you were so close to beating and had your opportunities to, which maybe should have, I don't know. And, and yeah, I mean, you very well could have, there's certainly no question about that. Oregon had proved on Saturday that they had every right to be in competition with a team like Washington. And I, I think they're every much they're equal and hopefully there's an opportunity for those two teams to meet up again. Um, another thing that was said by Brandon Dorless is that the veterans, Sunday's their off day, right? That's their day off technically. And obviously there's going to be some commitment there, but it sounded like there was more time spent at the HDC amongst players. I mean, Dan said on, on his question, he was asked, what was the first thing you thought of Sunday morning as you're waking up? And his response is, well, you're assuming I actually went to bed, like that I actually mm -hmm. fell asleep. So, um, you know, he said he was motivated to get back and, and, and work on improvement. So they're saying all the right things, coach speak or not, this is what you're hearing. And, you know, Marcus Harper straight up said there have been losses the last couple of years where the team did kind of hang its head and that that loss kind of did derail a season, but that he was really proud of the way the guys responded and, and kind of carried themselves on Monday and even into Tuesday's practice. So, again, injury-wise, seems like the team's in, in pretty good health. And then from a psychological perspective, at least from an external perspective looking in, kind of like the things you're hearing, but we won't have a real sense for this until Saturday in terms of the corner being turned. I mean, Dorless did even acknowledge like, yeah, that one, I still haven't kind of gotten over that game. And I don't think he's alone in that. That's a really tough loss. And for those who are on the team, I'm sure hard one to swallow considering how many things could have gone one direction or different differently. And, uh, but it sounds like the, the corner is being turned right now, or at least attempted to. Yeah, this is exactly what you would hope to have heard. Um, they're, a, a loss to Washington as as it was, you know, a missed field goal or like blowing a lead late, like that can totally potentially derail a season. It could really get some get some people to hang their hat on it or hang their head, excuse me, not their hat on it, but and kind of could not ruin a locker room, but could send some doubts to people like, oh, maybe we aren't as good as this team, uh, the other best team in the Pac-12. Uh, but it doesn't seem like that. Uh, for Mondays, like obviously there's no pads on that day. And then, but to hear that they wanted to be physical, they, uh, I think Patrick Herbert said that they didn't lollygag to, to plays or to drills. Like they had a clear intensity level um, that you want to hear from. And some of that could be coach speak, but I, 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 I buy into it just after everybody who's talked about it. Uh, they've all said basically the same thing that it was more intense um, than it has been in the last couple of weeks, which, isn't to say it's not an intense practice on Monday, but it's just to say that they're they're fired up. 
Um, I think Patrick Herbert also kind of named out some of the leaders and Bossa and Bo Nix, Bucky, um, Brandon Dorless, guys like that who are stepping up and, and leading and leading this team into what needs to be a, a, you know another win this week against Washington State. Um, so it was encouraging because you definitely that's one of the first things I thought of was like, all right, well, how is how is the team this upcoming week going to respond? Because that's that could be the difference maker between a you know a championship contending team and one that goes you know nine and three during the regular season. So uh, it's encouraging news nonetheless. But like Eric said and like Dora said, like we'll find out on Saturday what what that turns into. But um, seems like a good start to the week. The look ahead to Washington State. This team's got the full respect of their opponent this week. There's no looking at the Cougars and saying, oh, wow, they, they've lost two in a row. Their offense has only scored one touchdown in the last two two games. They stink. They don't have the talent. Like None of that, none of those vibes are coming from this team. Um, Monday night, Dan Lanning brought up the fact that you know, Cam Ward is got maybe the quickest release in the league or maybe the, the, the quarterbacks they'll face at least this season which says something because a man named Michael Penix has a very quick release as well. Um, Dorless talked, uh, he, he knew extensively all of the games that, that he has played against the Cougars and how difficult they all have been to get wins. Um, he called last season's win at Washington State maybe the craziest one um, when Oregon was down and they came back and won 44-41. Uh, he noted – Cam Ward, just like Dan Lanning, a bunch of respect for what that guy can do. I, I paraphrasing, but I'm pretty sure he said something like it's the guy he hates playing against the most because of how far he drops back. He mentioned like 13 yard dropbacks and how much he moves and just how hard he is to get down on the ground. Um, this is a Cougar team that's struggling, but from a Oregon perspective, they're looking at it as if this is still a team that's a, that was at one point number 13 in the country, 4-0, and right in the thick of the Pac-12 race. I think Dorless said Ward's the most annoying quarterback to go against. I think that was what he said. And to your point, Matt, like you have to say Washington State is kind of a uniquely scary team just because you've seen the ceiling of what they can be. I mean, this is a team that, as you said, was, was ranked the top 15 not that long ago. Open with four straight wins, upsets over Wisconsin and Oregon State. Both those games were at home. Um, and then just the last couple of weeks, it's the wheels have kind of fallen off. And this last game with Arizona, to me, I'm, I'm excited to get Jamie Vinnick, the, the Coug fan, Washington State reporter on the show. We'll have him on, on Wednesday just because I'm curious to pick his brain on that one because it was a game that was going on during parts of the Oregon uh, Washington game, so I didn't get to watch much of it, but it was an extremely surprising result. I expected maybe maybe Arizona could win that game, but didn't think they'd win by five or six scores like they did. So, um, but this is a team like to the point like they've proven this year they can go out and beat teams. Like this isn't a team that is four and two devoid of wins over over quality opponents. They've they've done some things this year already. Um, they have guys on the outside that could win. Go look at that. Do you want to go watch? The danger is there. Go watch that Oregon State game where both Kyle Williams and Josh Kelly had like 150-plus yards, and Kelly had three touchdowns, a couple of which were just incredible, incredible grabs. So this is a this is a talented team. that um, They are going through some injury issues a little bit, and we'll get, again, Jamie on the show in a couple of days or tomorrow to, to kind of run through some of that. But offensively, it's a team that's going to put some stress on you. And you saw last year, like if you don't, 
take care of business or you get off to a slow start, this is a team that can build a lead. And obviously, Oregon was fortunate enough to win that game, but for large portions of it, it didn't feel like that was going to be the case. And a lot of the same personnel for Washington State is, is still there. So um, we can get to some of the defensive stuff in a moment, but I think offensively, this is certainly a team that should have your attention. Most certainly. Um, this is a game that I think for you know the first four weeks of the season, we all kind of circled on our schedules like, oh, this could this could be a really good game between Oregon and Washington State. And I think that's, you know, in part as to why it's a 1230 kick on ABC is because when the schedule times were released, uh, you know, two weeks ago, they looked like they were going to play the part. Um, you know, that was a really good game that they had against Oregon State, against a good defense. Like Eric said, Josh Kelly just went bonkers. He was unbelievable that game. Um, and Cam Ward was like 28 of 34 for 404 yards and four touchdowns. Um, he hasn't thrown for more than 400 yards over the last two games. He's completing 54% of his passes over the last two games with one touchdown and three interceptions, I think it was. Just this team goes if their offense goes. And it's not to say their defense is bad, which we'll talk about in a second, but this is a high-octane offense. And it's Dan mentioned it's very similar to what Texas Tech does. They have a lot of, um, like, not run and gun, but kind of an air raid, but different than Washington's air raid system. It's a lot of shorter passes where, or screen passes uh, along the perimeter, try to set up the run game. Uh, and Cam Ward, uh, you know, like Matt was mentioning, is an incredibly difficult quarterback to get to the ground. Um, I think we all remember that from last year at Washington State. A lot of missed tackles on Cam Ward. I think Oregon this year is a much better tackling team, so I think that'll be fun to watch just to see how he can get out of those situations if he can or if he cannot. But uh, it's a great offense when it's clicking. And obviously the last two weeks it is not clicking. They played UCLA, who's a very tough uh, defense overall, but against Arizona, like Matt, like Eric said, excuse me, like 44 to 6, that's, a, that's an ass kicking. Like I did not see that one coming. I don't think a lot of people saw that one coming. I thought that would be more of a – maybe like a 44 to 40 game because I don't think Arizona's defense is that good. Um, they, they did put, put up a good effort against Washington and, but you know, they're shutting down Washington state. I thought was a, was a big surprise from them. Um, and we'll see what happens on Saturday, but I, you know, I have to like Oregon's chances here just with the personnel that they have nowadays and compared to last season where there were a lot of uh, deficiencies in the secondary, just a lot of issues overall. Um, but this year they have a much different secondary with Kyrie and Jaleel Florence playing the snaps that they do and Taishim and Evan Williams. So I think that'll be one of the one of the better storylines to follow is like can Oregon continue this trend with Washington State where they're less than ideal on offense. Um, but I love watching Cam Ward. I think he's underrated in the Pac-12 just because they have so many top-tier talents with Penix and Nix and Caleb Williams. Um, but I think he's probably that number four spot. I might give it to him over DJ Oyunglele. Um, it's a close one for me. I really like Cam Ward and what he does. What about Shador? Yeah, probably. I just think like if you give, you give Cam Ward the weapons that Shador does, I think he would do pretty darn well as well. But He's at four or five hole then. How about that? Fair. I, I was just I was just in my head because that's the way people have certainly grouped the quarterbacks to this point. I don't know if I disagree mm -hmm. with you. I, I'm a big fan of Cam. Obviously, hasn't played his best ball the last couple of weeks. One thing that um that Dorless did talk about was and some kind of interesting quotes about just how aggressive he was last year trying to get Cam Moore down. Said he was go they're going for kill shots to to maybe knock him out of the game. So this year, it's just about getting him to the ground because this is a guy who's proven 
he's really hard to get down. Like if you, he's a guy you can make contact with, you can wrap him up and he can still squirt free or, or get the ball out. So it's a challenge. And I agree, Jared, this is not an offense and a quarterback to overlook without question. It's an opponent right now, which is easy to overlook from the outside looking in just because they just got absolutely bludgeoned by a team in Arizona that I kind of thought was sneaky good all season, but now looks like they're legitimately pretty good. So I don't know. I'll be very curious to see what kind of a fight both of these teams, or not both these teams, I think Oregon's going to come out really motivated and will play a really good game. But I'll be curious to see the fight you see from Washington State just based off of how the last two weeks have gone. You're, you're muted, you're muted. I clicked it. Defensively, it feels like there are two edge guys who are very good. Rod Stone Jr. and Brennan Jackson have been there for like 10 years. Um, 12 I think they're both – yeah, I was going to say, I think they're both six-year seniors. Um, very talented dudes uh, on the edge, and that might be, you know, from an Oregon perspective, just the matchup to watch when, when they look at it offensively to defensively. Oregon's been really good at protecting Bo Nix this season. That's no secret. Um, but these are two of the better guys in the conference, and they have been for the last two or three years. Um, and it's it's going to be an opportunity for guys like Connerly and Cornelius uh, to showcase their skill sets. And, you know, it could be a money game for both those guys. Connerly coming off a game that I shared. We, we, we both saw that. Josh Connolly PFF grade, and I think probably had a similar mm-hmm. reaction of like, I didn't think it was great, but I didn't think it was what it what they graded him, which was like under 20, I think. It was 13.6 um, for so, his pass blocking, which, which is was just fourth worst in the country, I think it was. I looked this up at breakfast. I think it was fourth work, worst in the country for pass blocking, so not great. This is going to be a big test because Stone and Jackson are, again, not – Totally similar to Trice, but physically closer to Trice than maybe a traditional outside edge guy. Just because they're smaller, they're explosive. To Matt's point, they've been here for six years. They've been at Washington State, I should say, for six years each. It's going to be a challenge off the edge. I do think, especially based upon what we've seen recently, Arizona ran the ball really effectively. I think they had five rushing touchdowns. I think this could be a game where, where Oregon could have some success running off edge just because those two guys are a little bit undersized. But... On pass downs, those guys are about as good as they get. Um, and Dan even – I mean, I think Dan has a lot of respect for for Coach Dickert and what he's done. It's, these are two of the few co- coaches in this conference that have backgrounds on this, that, that side of the ball in terms of defense. Um, Dickert was was previously their defensive coordinator before being promoted with the whole Rolovich situation a couple of years ago. Um, I, I I like to think that this is a, a, a team that, that Oregon has a ton of respect for defensively but is certainly capable of, of beating um, – Stone and Jackson, just on PFF, I think are the fourth and fifth best edge players in the Pac-12, according to them. And then I wanted mm-hmm. to shout out, and I just looked up the name. I'm happy I did because I would have gotten it wrong. Shaw Smith Wade, their corner, uh, is one of the highest graded corners. His first name is not spelled like Shaw. It looks more like Chai or Chow, um, but pronunciation says Shaw. That's going to be interesting to see if they put him on Troy and what kind of a matchup that could be. I think Troy is obviously a plus matchup no matter who's on him at this point, but this could be one of the the tougher tasks from a personnel perspective that he's faced um, probably all right. year. Yeah, the, the the rushing attack is certainly something that Oregon could look to take advantage of. I just pulled up their game splits. I looked at this yesterday, but I wanted to get it right. Uh, Oregon State ran for 242 yards, 6.2 yards per carry, 181 yards for UCLA, 3.1. They ran the ball 53 times. Goodness gracious. 
And then 174 yards for Arizona last week, 4.7 yards per carry. Um, if you're Oregon, you're looking to get to that, you know, that 200 number. Um, and I don't remember what they ran for last year against Washington State. Uh, I believe it was pretty darn high. Um, I'll try to quickly look at that real quick. But that's something that you can take advantage of if you are the Ducks. And that also kind of like to Matt's point against Washington, like that can take their offense off the field. And if they look to just attack that really well, then we'll see if that plays out. But uh, I got it pulled up here. Oregon last year you know, ran for 178 yards, but that was mostly in part because, well, they were down by two scores for a lot of the game and uh, they needed to move the ball through the air and get get those touchdowns and get back into the game, which you know ultimately they did do with Bo Nix throwing for 450 yards, 446, something like that. Um, so it's certainly something you can take advantage of potentially if you're Oregon, um, but Stone, I like him a lot. It's incredible that he's still there. I've had to ask two or three times now, like he's he's still there, um, but he's still producing at a high level. And again, like like we were talking about with Connerly, it didn't look that bad, but yeah, the, Washington was able to get some pressure on Bo Nix, um, certainly throughout the game. Bo's just in, very good at getting out of those situations. Maybe that's the same case happening against, against Washington State. Maybe Oregon tries to figure out um, you know how to game plan around that a little differently than their ideas against Washington, but. Um, I think that this is a, a defense that Oregon can and should move the ball against and put up some some decent amount of points. I don't um, just really quick. I say I don't think I finished my thought on Connerly. Just wanted to say I didn't think it felt like it should have been as bad as the PFF grade was. Just to clarify what I was going for there. Yeah, neither did I, but not up to us. Um, let's wrap it up with this question. Just do we think we see one of the better? performances of the season on Saturday. I mean, it's it's only a Tuesday and we're asking this question, but to what we were talking about at the start of the show, like this team is you got the sense right after Saturday, they were pissed off. They Bo, you know, like I think Bo is always so level-headed, even keeled with all his answers. He he doesn't get too high to get too low and you could tell it took everything in his ability to to not like show anger in his comments that he made post game, um, and then listening to the players this week uh, on Tuesday, before that we did speak with like there's just that anger. Like even Dorlis has said it. Like it's he he took one to the chin and he's not going to get over it for a while uh, or a little bit. He said like. Sometimes we get games where teams are so deflated, so angry, it, it costs them another game, or maybe they just play absolutely atrocious and it, it takes a lot of luck to get out of there with a win that shouldn't have been as close. And other times we kind of see games in which um, everything seems to go right and they play really well. And it's like, sorry, Washington State, you get the brunt end of the stick. Like you're just the team next on the schedule. And you you have to take it to the chin because this team's really mad. Uh, and you know, that happens in sports. I, I felt like we saw that against Colorado. Like Oregon delivered a perfect game because of all the stuff that transpired leading up to it. I, I'm real curious to see how Saturday plays out because they're saying all the right things and then saying and doing, you know, are two different things, obviously. But I, I wasn't really like kind of juiced up 
for a game like this. And now kind of hearing what Dan said yesterday and what the players have said today to echo that, I'm kind of curious to see what Oregon's reaction is going to be. And I kind of think we're going to get a a game where Oregon's going to play a, you know, not perfect, but one of their A-level games of the season. Which I don't know what's going to happen earlier in in the year. I don't think I was going to expect that. Well, they played so well at home is the one thing I'll point to. And this is, we're talking about, it's like the first home game in almost a month. Like it's, they've been on the road. They've been at a bye week. Mm-hmm. They could have come back home. But like you just, I mean, it's been so long since they've been home. You might have forgotten. Like they just completely drubbed everybody they played at home. They have not been competitive with anybody. I don't think anybody scored more than 10 points. No one's held them below 42, which was Colorado. And that game could have been more than 42 because Oregon didn't play at starters or really try to score a whole lot after the middle of the third quarter. So, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of confidence in Oregon playing at home, period. Um, I think they're better than Washington State. I, I point I brought up earlier is the one thing that kind of gives me, I don't want to say pause, like I think Oregon's going to win this game. Um, but Washington State is coming off an even tougher loss to a certain degree, right? Like just an embarrassing loss. Like very different kind of – both teams are coming off a loss. Oregon's coming off a hard-fought loss, a, a heartbreaking loss, a loss for – there's so many things here and there that you can point to this play or that play and say, man, if this would have gone different, maybe we would have won. And those are, those, are, those are tough. But I think it can be even tougher when you just get absolutely embarrassed on your home field by a team that you were favored right. to beat. You know, like, So I don't expect Washington State to roll over. Um, but the other thing is, is like maybe they are a little bit psychologically uh, in kind of a tough spot coming into this. And if Oregon hits them a couple times in the mouth early, maybe they do kind of, I don't want to say fold, but maybe they don't have a whole lot left. I mean, I, that's the Washington state component yeah. of it is the interesting part. Cause I wasn't expecting Oregon to be coming into this game against a team that was uh, this beat up and coming off a loss like that. So that's the part mm-hmm. I'm also curious with. I think Oregon's going to be ready and they played so well at home this year. I'd be really surprised if they don't come out and, and look good. I mean, I don't really think there's been too many games where a Dan Lanning led Oregon team has stumbled out of the gates and really started slow against maybe, maybe it was that Washington state game last season. Um, yeah, that was that, but one. that that's like the only one I could really point to. And this may sound silly, but you know, traveling up to Pullman kind of stinks. It's uh, it's not the best drive or it's certainly not the best drive, but they flew. It's still like not the best flight and it's a weird area of the country, but, no disrespect to Pullman. Um, I, I would expect Oregon to come out swinging haymakers left and right. And to Eric's point, I was thinking the same thing. Like, it's one thing when you lose to UCLA on the road. Like, I think UCLA is a good team. They just, you know, they don't have Dante Moore's been up and down. So it's hard to you know, get an offense really going there. But again, to get absolutely run amok at home against Arizona, who against a redshirt freshman quarterback who's been really good, honestly. But 44 to six at home. Good heavens. Like that's got to suck. And then it's like, all right, all right. Then Sunday comes around. It's like, oh, who do we have on the schedule? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Number nine, Oregon. Oh, sick. Uh, We lost a heartbreaker last year to this team who absolutely decimated us and put like 600 yards of total offense on the board. Like, oh, great. Can't wait to go play them. So (laughs) yeah, it's going to be interesting because Dickert's going to have, he's going to need his team to get riled up for this game. And to Eric's point, just like you said, if Oregon comes out and, I don't know, goes six plays, 75 yards, t- two or three times in a row in like four minutes each and just moves the ball, no problems against this Washington State defense. And it becomes clear that like 
we're probably not going to stop these guys. Like we need this offense to get going an offense that hasn't been going since the Oregon state victory, which was at home and Washington state. Like it could be one of those situations where not that the team gives up or anything like that. Cause yeah. I don't think a team rarely ever gives up, but it's just, it just doesn't look great. And you, know, you have to be blind to not see that this is uh, not an ideal situation unfolding before ourselves. So I would expect Oregon to play well. Um, I always expect Oregon to play well, especially under Dan and the staff. I think they keep guys level-headed and and, in check going into a game. And uh, I don't think they've really – maybe a little bit against Tech, but they don't really play the moment like Dan always talks about in that coach speak. They play the game. It's what they did against Washington. So I think they'll be prepared and ready to go out there and honestly try to score 50, get back, maybe jump, jump a spot or two up in the polls against a Washington State team. Um, I mean, they're a 20 point favorite for a reason. And I think that spread could be pretty easily coverable, but again, it depends on if Washington state, um, is fired up for this game. And if they are and their offense clicks and Josh Kelly is healthy and comes back and plays well, like it it could be a fun game for sure. Like last year, but I like, I like Oregon's defense this time around. All right. That's going to do it for us here on this edition of the Austin Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with Coog fans, Jimmy Vinnick on the show to preview and get you up to speed on everything Washington State Cougars. And then Thursday we'll have our rollout of our predictions and our bold our game picks. And then Saturday, game day, post-game edition, uh, Saturday evening, which will be up on the site and also on YouTube. But until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.